Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, welcome to episode 17 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name is Jeremy, and I'm super stoked about this month's episode. I've entitled it Beyond the Platform. I want to talk to you specifically about communication, but not so much from a platform presence or a stage presence, but beyond that and uh, get into the nuts and bolts of what that looks like, marketing, promo, uh, all kinds of things, emailing. We're going to talk about it all. And because of the amount of content I want to cover, this is probably going to take two parts. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. June will be part one and July probably most likely will be part two. And then after that, I've got a couple really, really exciting interviews coming up for you. Uh, I don't want to give a whole lot more away other than that, but we've had such great feedback about the last, the previous couple interviews that we did that we want to continue down that road and just talk to some uh, some great leaders out there and get their perspectives and, and leadership nuggets. So without further ado, let's get into part one of Beyond the Platform. And I, I share this opening uh, story to get things started today. I was with a pastor, this was probably a few years ago now, and uh, this pastor was so excited. I hadn't seen him in quite some time, and he was so excited to take me through his building, their church building, and just show me a little bit about some of the renovations that they were up to. And they were uh, doing some upgrades and renos, and it was about time in this church building. And I remember he was taking me around the building, the foyer, the lobby, all, all of that stuff. And then we got to the main auditorium. And I remember us walking up towards the front area of that main auditorium, towards the platform. And he began to tell me about the plans to level the platform, including the removal of the existing baptismal tank, which was built in at the time. And I remember he said specifically, as we were talking about this platform leveling and the staging and and the material they were going to use on the floor and painting and all this stuff, I remember him specifically saying, uh, in regards to the baptismal tank, that we'll get a portable baptismal if we need it. And the pastor went on to talk about more plans they had, went talk about removal of the pews, and they're going to put in chairs, like so many main auditoriums are doing today. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't hear anything else he said after he finished talking about the baptismal tank. And I drove away that day a little bit saddened, if I'm to be perfectly honest. I, I was a little bit maybe even more than sad and maybe a little bit disturbed by what he said. And I don't think he did it intentionally, but uh, he said, and I don't know if you caught it earlier when I said it, but he he used the two-letter word if. If we need a baptismal tank, we'll get a portable one. Now, this is... This is just something that caught me, and maybe it didn't even catch you, maybe it didn't even phase you, but for me, I'm thinking in the back of my mind as he says, if, I'm thinking, is this not water baptism specifically, is this not one of the most significant benchmarks for churches today to gauge whether or not we're actually reaching people or not? I mean, how about using the word, just changing that two-letter word, if, to when, like speaking with a little bit of faith. I mean, if we're supposed to be as Christian leaders If we're supposed to be people of faith, then why not just saying when we need the baptismal tank, not if we need it? Now, again, I'm not I'm not trying to rip. There's no condemnation towards this this pastor, this leader. Uh, I'm sure he didn't even catch himself, didn't even realize he had said it. I'm sure it was a simple slip of the tongue. But I only share it with you not to rip on him, but only to illustrate the power behind communication. 
and, and the words that we use to communicate and how powerful it actually is. Now, to be honest, I, I don't actually think we're a whole lot different than this pastor. I mean, how often do we forget that we're always communicating something? You and I are consistently, constantly communicating something. And, and I'm not just talking by our words. I mean, if you read any stats, there's a breakdown, there's a, a fam familiar guy who discovered it's the Mahabrian, I don't even know how to pronounce it, it doesn't really matter, but he came up with this, this um, philosophy back in 1971, and it's been ridiculed uh, uh, ever since. Um, as to its truth or actuality, but it said this, that, that verbal communication, we, we communicate verbally, only 7% of our communication is verbal. And then our tone, we actually communicate through tone and how we say something and the tone we use with it, 38% of communication is done through tone. And then the majority, the biggest amount of communication is actually through our body language, our actions, 55%. And so if you, if you add a couple of those up, what you realize is nonverbal communication is responsible for 93% of our communication is nonverbal, while only 7% is verbal. Now, the, why people rip on these stats is, is for the fact that it, it would suggest at first glance that what we say doesn't really matter. And that's not true. And nobody's suggesting that. Obviously, our words have all kinds of power, like I just illustrated a few moments ago, the tiny word if, two-letter word if, and the power behind that word used instead of a simple change by using the word when. And so uh, I, I want to, what I'm trying to say to, to the listeners today is that communication is constant. We are constantly communicating, but not just through what we say through all sorts of things, the way we say things, uh, by our body language, by our actions, you know, the old proverb that says actions speak louder than words. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. And so we need to be constantly mindful of the things that we're communicating uh, just by the way we walk, the way we talk, how we say something, um, the, the type of coffee you drink, what you take in your coffee, like all of these things, when you think about it, are actually communicating something, but we fail to realize often that we're constantly communicating. And that's kind of the, the bottom line for, for this uh, Beyond the Platform series, two-part series that I want to give to you is that, it is the very truth that, that suggests that a low communication may be constant, communicating with intentionality is not. And uh, that is the truth of the matter, that we are constantly communicating, but we are not constantly being intentional about what we communicate. And if you, you think back to the opening story I used about this pastor, um, that was the only thing missing in, in this opening story with this pastor and what he was communicating to me about the removal of this built-in existing baptismal tank was just a lack of intentionality on his part behind the word used. It didn't really give a whole lot of thought to it, but there is powerful meaning behind using a word if versus when. And I would even argue that each one of us in our ministries, in our businesses, wherever you are currently leading, I would argue today that every single one of us, every single business, every single organization has a current communication system in place. The question is whether or not it's a strategic one, whether or not we're actually being intentional with the current communication system. But every organization, every ministry, every business has a communication system. Whether they've actually sat down to think about it and be intentional about it and, and draft up a strategic plan surrounding it, every church, every organization, every business has a current communication system. 
And, and when I say that, I'm not just talking about the latest, greatest communication hack or, or buying a Facebook ad necessarily. I'm talking about having an intentional, consistent process in place for what you communicate beyond the platform. And uh, I mentioned something there. I said consistency. I use the word consistency intentionally because that, that is, I believe, one of the key ingredients to your communication system is, is consistency. Whatever you decide, even out of this podcast, as we give takeaways at the end, uh, I would suggest to you, whatever you decide to do from after listening to this podcast, just make sure you're consistent with it. I mean, if you just did that, did that one simple change, I, it could produce uh, potentially radical changes in, in how you communicate and the effectiveness of your communication. Um, speaking of consistency, I, I recently read a book. Uh, it's called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And the basis of this entire book, a little spoiler alert here if you want to press mute for a couple seconds, if you want to read the book and you don't want the basis of the book, I'm about to give it to you. But here it is. The basis of the entire book called The Compound Effect is this. Small slash smart choices plus consistency, plus time, equal radical change. Basically, what, what Darren Hardy suggests in the compound effect is this, that, that the radical changes in our lives are, are basically, they basically happen when we just make small, smart choices and we stay consistent with it over a lengthy period of time. That is what produces the radical changes in our lives. And he goes on to tell story after story after story. And he gives the illustration of the super athletes out there, the, the professionals that have just made their sport or their craft or their talent their life. And they get paid to do it. And, and the super heroes of the life, the people that we look up to today, the only difference between them and us them and you or I listening to this podcast today, the only difference is that they decided long ago to, to just make small, smart choices, stay consistent with them over a long period of time, and that's actually what got them to the status where they are today. It wasn't that they got up one morning and decided, you know what, I'm going to go out and, and be a superstar athlete. That, that wasn't it at all. But the fact that they just continually made small, smart choices, stayed consistent, and, and did it over a long period of time, and that is the compound effect. And that has ripple effect and will ripple into all aspects, all areas of your life. He goes on to illustrate it by this. I love this illustration. I've used it with my own kids, actually. But he goes on to illustrate it this way. He says, if, if I were to offer you $3 million today... And you could have it in your pocket. Easy money, all right? You don't have to work for it. You got easy $10 million today, or you can have $3 million, or, sorry, $3 million today. I messed that up already. $3 million today, or, or I'm going to give you a penny that's going to double in size for the next 31 days. Which would you choose? Now, the majority of people in listening to that, if they don't think he's up to something, will pick the $3 million today. I mean, it's easy money. It's quick cash. I mean, who wouldn't want $3 million if I offered you $3 million today? And besides that, I mean, a penny really doubling in size, even though it's 31 days, what's that really going to amount to? I mean, day two, you've got two cents. Day three, you've got four cents. Like really, even by day eight, it's like a dollar something, right? Like really, after 31 days, what's that really going to amount to? But he goes on to illustrate the point of the compound effect is this. That if you choose the $3 million today, you're making a horrible mistake 
because that penny on day 31 would have a value, sum total of over $10.7 million. All because you stayed consistent with something so small over a lengthy period of time, it produced this radical sum total. And that is the compound effect. So let's move on. So, so how do we do this? Like, where do we even start? When it comes to being intentional about a communication system, strategy, whatever you want to call it, where do we even start with something like that? We're not just talking about crafting a good message to deliver from a stage or a platform. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an intentional communication strategy within your organization, your ministry, your business, wherever you are currently leading today. Well, that's a great question. I would like to walk through... Uh, with you guys the four stages of intentional communication. Now, we're only going to walk through stages one and two today, and then stage three and four we're going to save for episode 18 of the Leadership Matters podcast, which will be part two of this of this podcast. All right, so now remember, I'm going to give you the foundation, the framework, and you may need to contextualize this to where you're currently leading, all right? But I've tried to make this as transferable as possible so that you could transfer it within your context of leadership and where you're currently leading today. But step one is, is being intentional about why you communicate. Being intentional about why you communicate. So you're going to always start with the why. And you may have read Simon Sinek's book. Uh, there's all sorts of leadership out there. I'm sure you've heard by now having a clear why and starting and leading with a why. And there's so much leadership material out there about a strong why and what's your why and there's so much writing about it today but it is so true and I've learned that to be so true in my own leadership my own life is having an an intentional why and especially when it comes to communicate this is where you must start and so often we make the mistake of starting with what we want to communicate or or how we're going to communicate it and we forget that it's got to come back to the why. You've got to start with why are you communicating in the first place? And this is so critical to your communication strategy that you start here. And this really, if you start here, this will become the lens through which all your communication is actually filtered. And if you don't know your why, here's the thing. You're going to be tempted to communicate anything and everything that comes across your desk. Oh, we need to communicate this, or we need to put this out, or we need to promote this. And you'll be tempted to actually believe that you actually do need to communicate that. But until you know your why, you don't know if this needs to be communicated or not. And you need a filter, something to filter every, every temptation when it comes to communication that comes across your desk. You need a filter. You need a lens to filter that through. And that's what your why is. And so I would strongly encourage you to start here and not just by yourself, but maybe walk through it with a team of, of influential people around you or in your business or your ministry and, and sit down with some influential leaders and figure out why do you want to communicate? Now, let me put some practical legs to this. Let me give you a, a snapshot. Uh, I work here at our district office, um, Eastern Ontario and Nunavut District. And, um, and so we walked through this a few years ago when I first started here. Uh, I started asking some questions about some of the things that we were communicating that were going out from this office here. And I started asking, uh, I started asking why. Why are we communicating that? And who is that for? And is it really effective? And I started challenging uh, some of the things that we have done for years around here in an attempt to be more effective and to be more intentional. 
And, uh, and so we started walking through all the things that were going out from this office. And we, were, we started questioning who's actually reading. And, and one of the things we, we questioned was we had this network magazine, this leadership magazine that would go out about three times a year. And uh, I started asking the question, do you think anyone's actually reading it? And so we decided, we, we did a little experiment. We decided to cut it off to just stop cold turkey. We're going to stop putting out the network magazine and see if we get any response, any feedback, anyone actually notices or, or anyone actually complains that they, they actually miss the, where's the network? What'd you do to it? You know what? We got zero feedback about canceling the network magazine. It was true. What we had thought, what we had sensed around this office was that nobody was actually reading it a whole lot other than maybe uh, the fun stuff in the back on the last page about who's who and the little candid interviews with new leaders in our district. But what we realized is nobody gave us any feedback, negative or positive. And so we took notice of that and we decided, okay, we need to be more intentional about our communication strategy. And so after hours... Uh, of whiteboard sessions and asking big um, philosophical questions, we actually came up with our why. And, and I'm going to state it to you in a sense. And I, I don't want to, it's going to sound very simplistic, but I, I want you to understand this took hours of discussion and erasing things and, and hashing things and hacking things and slashing things. Like it, it was hours of discussion and uh, great discussion before we were actually to come up with the simplistic our why as to why we're going to communicate out of this office. And our why is twofold. It's inform slash inspire. And what that basically means is if, if it doesn't inform or inspire, then we are not going to communicate it. It's not going to come out of this office. If it doesn't inform you or inspire you in some way, shape, or form, it doesn't go out. And now this has become our lens. And there's been many conversations since, many things that will come or there will be an email go out to our staff or our lead team saying, hey, should we be promoting this in our, in our broadcast email or something like that? And, and, and right away, it goes through the lens of does it inform them of something they need to know or does it inspire them in some way, shape or form? And if it doesn't, then we don't broadcast it. We don't communicate it. Now, yes, it was a lot of work to get to that simplistic vision statement or, or communication statement to get to our why. It was uh, a process, but now we have a filter. And if it doesn't, like I said, if it doesn't inform or inspire our credential holders, we don't communicate it. Now, after you, you have done the hard work of, of going through and figuring out uh, what's your why and why you're going to communicate in your organization, within your organization, outside of your organization, within your ministry, outside of your ministry. After you figure out your why, then you can actually move on to the who. And, and that's stage two, to be intentional about who it is you're actually trying to communicate to. And for us, uh, I'll just tagging on what I just said and using us as an example here in our office. For us, this was a really easy one. It's credential holders. That is our target audience. That is the who of who we're trying to communicate to and we're constantly communicating to. That's why we exist. And so for you, in your ministry, if you're in a church, uh, if you're in a business, if you're in an organization, you've got to figure out 
the who, who it is you're trying to communicate. Now that may change based on what you're communicating to. And we'll get to the what next after the who, but you've got to, after the why, I believe you should move immediately onto the who before you ever get to the what. All right. And so for you, let's say, let's use a church, for instance, for, for you in a church, it may be twofold. It may be those you're trying to reach and those you're trying to grow or disciple. And so you've got people inside your church that you're trying to communicate to, and then people outside your church. And sometimes there's going to be tremendous overlap in that area of the who you're trying to communicate to. But it's so important to recognize before you even get to what you want to communicate. It's so important to recognize who it is you're communicating to. Now, uh, I've recently, uh, one of my buddies, uh, actually he's been a guest on this podcast before, Mr. Nate Yeski, has um, a course, an online course called Social Media for Youth Pastors. And this is all about branding and, and social brand and, and being more intentional about using social media to advance the gospel or, or grow your ministry, your youth ministry specifically, is what this course was about. And I got to sit in on six online sessions, webinar-style teaching uh, of of social media for, for pastors, for churches. And uh, I just want to share with you a few. Now, this comes from Donald Miller's story brand. And, and I just want to give you the, the seven parts of a story brand because there are seven parts to every good story. If you watch any movie today, you'll notice there are se- you'll notice these seven parts to any great movie. It doesn't matter if it's a what genre of movie it is, whether it's comedy, romantic, it, it could be thriller, it could be action, it could be a Marvel, Endgame, whatever the movie is, you'll notice these seven parts to it. And, and I'm, I want to share with you, I don't want to lean into them too much for the sake of time, but I do want to give you the seven parts of story brand, and I'll tell you why in just a second after I give them to you. The first part of any good story, every story has a hero. And this hero desperately wants something. They have a desire. They have something they want to accomplish, something they want to achieve. Every story has a hero. But there, part two the, the, of, a, of a story is there's a problem. In every great story, there's a problem that is, that is going to try and stop the hero from fulfilling their desire. Now, that might be an internal problem. It might be doubt or, or a lack of confidence or, or something like that. Or it could be an external problem. It could be a villain. Uh, somebody who's going to literally try and stop them, physically try and stop them from accomplishing their desire. So you've got a hero. Part two is a problem. And then there's a guide. Part three is a guide. Every great story has a guide. And the guide comes in and actually has empathy, has a heart for the hero and, and a bit of a proven path. He's actually been there or she's been there, done that and understands what the hero is going through. It comes in. And then part four is a simple plan. Uh, the guide actually comes up with, with a bit of a simple plan and gives it to the hero. In part five, there is a big decision. So we've got part one is a hero. We've got a problem. We've got a guide. We've got a simple plan. And now we've got a big decision that the hero has to make. And that's this, whether to trust themselves or to trust the guide and, and what this simple plan that the guide has given them. What are they going to do? Are they going to trust themselves? Are they going to trust the guide? Are they going to trust some other source of somebody who's trying to speak into their lives? And then from there, depending on what they decide to do, this big decision, the results of this decision will result in either part six, success, or part seven, failure. And so success, obviously, the story ends with the hero being successful, or part seven, self-explanatory, the story ends with the hero failing. Those are the seven parts of a story brand. 
Now, why did I share that with you? Why is that so important for being having an intentional communication strategy? Well, I believe it's important because you need to figure out as a ministry, as a church, as a business, as an organization, that you are not the hero in the story. But you, your ministry, your church, your business, your organization is actually the guide in a hero story. And this is the big mistake that businesses, organizations, especially churches often make. They try and be the hero instead of the guide. And you need to position yourself actually as the guide in the story. Now, let me apply this to your, to your context. You need, again, you're going to need to contextualize this for where you're leading. Maybe you're a youth pastor, maybe you're a children's pastor, maybe, maybe you're a leader of an organization, nonprofit, or, or maybe you're a business leader. But who's the hero of your, uh, your church, your organization, your ministry? Who is the hero? Who are you trying to reach? Okay? Who are you trying to market towards if you're a business? Who are you trying to reach? And then you need to ask, these are some of the questions you need to be asking. What keeps the hero, the people you're trying to reach, because they're the hero. You're not the hero. You are actually the guide. You need to position yourself that way. But what keeps your hero up at night? What are the things that they lay awake thinking about that make them anxious or, or, or what they worry about? What actually keeps the hero up at night? And what does the hero want for the end of their story? What would make them successful? And how can you help guide them? These are the types of questions you need to ask. And that's going to help you when it comes to what you communicate, which we'll get to in our next episode, episode 18 of the Leadership Matters podcast. But before you can get there, you have to figure out what keeps the hero up at night. Now, too many times we start trying to invite people to our events or to our to our business or, or, or to our parties or to our ministries. We try and invite people uh, before we ever walk through some of this important marketing, communication, strategic information. But we must walk them through. Now, uh, let me take it a step further. If you're using social media, let me just use social media specifically as an example for a second. You've got to walk them through the like us, know us, and trust us strategy. You see, social media, one of the greatest things about social media is you can actually get people to like you, to know you, and to trust you before they ever meet you. And that really is the goal of any social media platform, whether it be Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever you're, you're using today. The goal of that is to not just sell your product, to not just sell your church, to not just invite people to your youth ministry. The goal of that is to actually get them to like you to know you, let them into your life a little bit through your social media platform, and to ultimately to trust you before they ever walk into your building. And that is actually possible. And we're hearing story after story of, of people, whether it be young people or people, I've heard stories of church plants where people have shown up to launch parties, don't know anybody on the launch team, but have shown up because of some social media posts and they're like, yeah, I, I kind of like what these people are about. And, and I feel like I know them a little more. And, and I've actually, uh, I, I trust them a little bit. And so I'm going to check their event out. Now, here's one more thing before we conclude part one of, of this two-part series is this. You need to resource your hero. Here's, here's what I've learned. I've learned all sorts of things through this course. And I give props to Nate Yeski. And if you'd like the, the long version and really learn, you need to go and check him out at yeski.co and sign up for his online social brand um, course. But I also learned this, that there's a, a 
a strategy when you're when you're asking people to come to your event or whatever. It's this: give, 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 and then ask. You should always be giving three things, three resources, pointing them towards something three times before you ever ask something of them. All right, and, and that's kind of a call call to action. Like you might point them towards. So let's say you figure out your hero, the people you're trying to reach. Maybe anxiety is something that's big on their minds, on their hearts. Maybe you're a youth pastor and you're trying to reach young people, and you're thinking the heroes, they're the heroes. And what keeps the hero up at night? Well, anxiety, depression does. And, and so you could point. Them to, hey, if you're anxious about the future, about where you're going to go to university or what you're going to be one day then I want you to point you towards this blog I read the other day or this podcast. And can I just say something here? Can I just say, you know, it'd be great if you actually shared even somebody else's resource, not just your own stuff. But if you point them towards another thing that's that's totally unrelated to you and what that does, it actually gets them to like you and know you and trust you a little more before they ever meet you because you're not just in it to promote your own stuff, your own material. And so I'd highly encourage you, give, give, give before you ever ask. Give three times before you ever make an ask on social media or any other through an email or, or whatever the case may be. Give three resources or, or three freebies before you ever ask something of them. Well, I'm going to cut it off there for the sake of time. We're almost at 30 minutes here and I want to keep these uh, under 30 minutes. So um, listen, uh, stay tuned for July. Again, July, we're going to actually, we're going to, cover the, the other two stages of intentional communication strategy and beyond the platform. We've talked in this one about the why and the what, or sorry, we've talked about the why and the who. And then in July, 2019, in July's episode, episode 18, we're actually going to talk about the what and the how, and that you really don't want to miss that. And once again, if you enjoy this podcast, I really encourage you, if you would, if you would give a shout out, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something because I've given you 30 minutes. I've given you more than three things. And so I'm going to live this out practically. And I'm going to ask you if you go leave a review or write a review on iTunes or, or maybe Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and then share it with a friend, somebody you might think bene might benefit from it. Maybe you have a leadership team underneath you and you'd like to share it with your leaders and get them listening to the Leadership Matters podcast. All right. Until next month, just remember your leadership matters. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.